The year 2008. For many, this was a pivotal point for their businesses, careers, retirement plans, and opportunities. A lot of those pivots weren't positive, especially at the time. Those who can look objectively at the constraints in the real world, they saw it coming. But many, especially Wall Street, said it was fine. How did they get it so wrong? Or did they not get it wrong? Did they just not want to see it in the first place? So join Josh and I as we discuss the idea of contextual tripwires today on Curiosity Continuum. Hey everybody, this is Josh. And this is Brian. Thank you for joining us today on Curiosity Continuum. If you're tuning in for the first time, Curiosity Continuum is a podcast and movement started by two lifelong friends who want to spark your curiosity, help you integrate information, and enhance your everyday contextual awareness in a constantly changing world. We're going to do this by explore, examine, and reframe common practical topics. And if you want to receive updates when new content's available, please be sure to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you can receive notifications of Josh and Mai's lovely voices <laughs> saying that there is more stuff to listen to. And we appreciate you because without you guys, we wouldn't be doing this for as many people. So thank you for sharing your own curiosities and with one another so we can explore our topics together. And as always, you guys can find us on uh, curiositycontinuum.com. And from there, we'll, we've got all of our socials. We'll link out. And uh, we hope your feedback, you know, we look at your feedback and we thrive on it too. So jumping into this conversation, uh, we'll call it contextual tripwires. And let's just set up the framework a little bit, Josh. Okay. Um, so imagine this situation for you and tell me like, you know, if I said, hey, you're incented for every red uh, Lego brick that you can find. Sure. Right? So... You're like, man, I'm going to go find me some red Lego bricks. What if somewhere along the way I said like, hey, you know what? Like the um, you're actually going to run out of red Lego bricks, but it's really going to be replaced by yellow bricks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Sounds funny. But you're like, are you going to pay attention to the yellow bricks? Or are you just saying like, I'm actually I'm just incented to find red. So I'm going to go find red. You're filtering the information differently. Sure. If I was incentive to find something, I would find that. And I think we, but, and in the same way that we, we extrapolate that out, now we're talking about how people do their jobs, how right. people uh, make their money. And so in, you know, in the year 2008, it sounds very um, you know, sinister. If you have the right type of voice, Josh, you could say the year 2008. <laughs> and, if, <laughs> and people would pay you money <laughs> to say that. <laughs> Although it was like 11 years ago now, almost 12. So I know. So we can actually take a look back at it. Um, I was right. having a conversation with a guy. And a brilliant mind. His name is Brad. And he, he was talking about this idea of things that were happening because he was at the time was running uh, an investment fund. Okay. And him and his, his partner were doing things that were studying all the different kinds of stuff going on in space and time prior to that. And these guys are, um, he, he called them themselves street fighters. And I think it's a very, a very accurate term because they were not like the Wall Street guys. These no, are the guys who they, learned. They got down in the pits. They were like, they were like learning the, the dirty, like they were the, exactly. <laughs> like, you know, they were yeah. down there learning how the guys on Wall Street got their information. Right. And right. they were just going out and getting her done. Right. And they were very good at it. Right. They, these 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 two guys were tuned into what was happening economically on the ground level, basically. Yeah. And yeah. as they were having these conversations with folks, they were like, no, nah, it ain't going to happen. They would get uh you know, they, they'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. No way. Right. This is going to keep, this wave is going to keep rising. 
of course, you know, you never want to say like the, the wave is going to end. The party's too good. And it's got to happening. Nothing's, gotta end. No, nothing's forever people, but, <laughs> but people would try, <laughs> people tried to make it last longer than of course it should they, have. Of course they did. And we obviously saw the economic result of that, but let's talk about just very briefly, like, you know, to, to talk about how wall street works is a whole nother conversation entirely. But when you think about how those institutions work, they were based on transactions. They were based on, you know, kind of what I did a thing. I got paid to do the thing. Therefore, this is how I make the money. Right. 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 Were they incented, Josh, to actually see the truth? Probably not. They were incentive on results. So if, if I did a thing and made money, I got money. That's the incentive. So if you were told you're going to do this thing and not get money, you wouldn't do that thing, right? <laughs> right. Or That's, what if there was something that was threatening that money making in and the they first would place. just ignore it. Right. Because you don't, that's the message you, you don't want to hear because you don't want to hear because wall street, especially futures market, the stock market thrives on speculation because it, it's gambling game. You, you know, it's going to go down eventually, but you're trying to stay in for the long haul as long as you can. And then you pull out your money because that's when you make the money. There was a, a security guard where I used to work, and he was a security guard because he wanted something to do. He actually was a very smart investor, and <clears throat> he would talk to me about stuff because he just wanted, like, he had the time. He's like, oh, work a security job. <laughs> and it was like, he was kind of, he was he was fun to talk to and stuff. Right. And he would look at the markets. I'd actually have conversations with him because I was a lot earlier on in my career at the time. Sure. And he said this statement that has, has stuck with me ever since. He goes, the markets are based on fear. Yeah. And he said, once you understand that it's how much people are or are not like freaking out about something, then you start to interpret it a lot differently. And I, ever since he said that, I started to look at that and go like, and not only that, but you don't lose your money until you sell. Right. Like you put in your money and you're thinking, oh, I lost like $5,000. Well, did you sell your stock? Because if you didn't sell, you didn't lose anything yet. Right. And people need to understand too, like when, um, especially like when you talk about the uber wealth that you talk about the Buffetts and the Bill Gates and the, right. the Jeff Bezos, they lost, you know, $27 billion today because there was some like announcement in the stock market related to their company or their interests. It's like, you know what? Like that didn't affect their day-to-day -day life one bit. No. You know, it's a paper position on something. And obviously they're, they're smart about the things that they do with it, but it doesn't affect their daily life. It's this mechanism that inflects up and down. And right. so when people, though, start to base their reality on just paper, you know, it was funny to even say paper now because we live in a, <laughs> a largely paperless thing. But, you know, when you base it on that, you base it on what you can see. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where is the call? You know, it's like if you're going to the casino and you got a pile of chips, you got to cash the chips in. It's like, great. You got this nice pile of red chips. Like, good for you. It's like, right. Wait a minute. Like, I need this to be money. So I can go out and like buy my dinner and the flight back to my home or whatever like that. Like there, there's those real things with it, but we get tripped up when we don't want to see something that fits the context that we've established. And it, it takes a lot of effort to look at something circumspectly because sometimes you're not rewarded for being right. <laughs> you know, right. the system doesn't reward you for being truthful or something, which is weird, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I kind of get what you're saying. You're saying, if my job is to make money 
or to like you know circum like if my job was was to say the stock market is going to go up every day and you're going to get money, I'm going to say that every day. Even if yeah. it even if the signs are telling me, you know what, it might not be going up. There's going to be a correction happening. Yeah, because it's going to happen. I mean, the, the it's like the housing market; it keeps going up and up and up. But you know what? In reality, it will come down eventually. It's going to correct itself. And people are afraid of, so the, we'll of go, the correction. They're afraid of the correction, but they're all. It's like the FOMO thing. It's a real thing. Like I, if I don't jump in right now. I'm going to miss the time, even though the wave is probably already gone. You know, if you watch like how the super wealthy invest their money, like they're out of things at certain times because they understand that it's cyclical. They know that it cannot continue to climb. That's how a lot of uh, people gain their wealth is like they understand where they are in the cycle that now we're going up and now it's back down and you learn when to buy and you learn when to sell or you learn to invest here or be whatever. Right. Or ride it out. And if you're going to, if you lose money, leave it there. But these yeah. people, I mean, I know that's easy to say for like the uber rich because they've got, you know, lots of money that they can just throw there and let it sit. And that's where the fear comes in because the everyday people like you and I or even some other people, they probably maybe shouldn't be. In, like Some people are in the market more than they should be. Right. Right. And it's what's interesting to watch is how um, these folks have their investment portfolio set up right. to kind of see actually where the money is. Um, a lot of them invest in real estate because it's a real thing. And they know, like, they're not making any more land. <laughs> right, you know? right. It's just they're smart about when they buy it and stuff. So we've, we've used the example of the Challenger in a previous episode for different reasons. Uh, but it, I think it's it's relevant here. You know, the the Challenger disaster could have been averted if they had listened to somebody who wanted to just do some extra testing and just double validate that something was going on. Yeah, absolutely could have been. And they said they didn't, but it was because we, we kind of talked more about the group think thing, but nobody wanted it to be that they couldn't launch it. Like there's egos and budgets and everything else on the line because it was like, it wasn't the popular idea that maybe we should test how these, these things work. Right. And so maybe we should be fostering that, that person or that idea that it's okay to challenge and it's okay yeah. to be like, you know what? I don't know if that's the right thing. Creative people by their nature are challengers. Right. You know, and if you're going to be creative, you're taking something, maybe you're, you're riffing on it. Maybe you're bringing in and cross-pollinating a lot of different things. That is what is we want to encourage. And we need to allow people to question and be wrong. We need to allow people the space to be able to say, what if? Because, and rub against what we have held, like, well, this is how things are. Because that then actually forces us into a an active thinking mode and not just being on autopilot to say i do this this is what comes out there it is right so i think what what brian is saying here is that and and i'm saying too because i i totally agree with him is that we need to be an active participant in our day-to-day lives and yes and we need to be um open to looking at the constructs that we've put in place for ourselves right so like we live in a, you know, like I, I always say this, like we have different verticals and people like to stay in their lane. You know, you always hear that stay in your lane, you know, do what you're supposed to do. Well, you know why they say that is because we don't reward someone that says something contrary to that or is going to derail the train, for example. 
But what if the train really needs to be derailed? For example, the Challenger is a great example. And I know, and we look at it from hindsight 2020, you know, but when we look at that and we see the people that actually questioned it, there was one person that questioned that and they were thrown to the side because there's only one person. But one person could have saved people or could have saved, you know, in a situation from happening. So maybe we should listen to that one person. And we absolutely should. And I think the position that we have to be in is like, are we the question asker or are we the question listener? Because they're different roles. Because um, if you ask the question, you have to be brave enough to step back and kind of look across your lanes. Right. To be able to see that. And you have to be brave enough to be wrong, too. I mean, you... You might ask a question and you might not be right. And that's, I think, in our society, especially, that we kind of grapple with. Because here we always think like, oh, we're rewarding you for being right. So right. what if we, what if you ask a question and you're not right? Like, what if that question was like, you know what, you could, it couldn't have gone any better than it did. But yeah. you asked the question. We have to reward you. We should reward you for even questioning it. And unfortunately what happens is that you're rewarded for staying in your lane. Right. You reinforce the system that you're living in. Right. Without ever questioning, like, is it still valid? Does it still work? Right. So, I mean, I know this is very complicated and we're kind of getting in the weeds a little bit, but I mean, what do you think, Brian? Like, do you think that, how do we do this in our everyday lives? Do we just listen to that one person that's timid and shy? Or do we just, I mean, I know we do that. We should do that because that person might have valid absolutely valid critique how do we do this in our everyday lives it's a complex question josh and i think the first place for us to to realize is like make nothing your baby especially when it comes to sure a system you know um in the the maybe maybe take more emotion out of it huh yeah so um i have a, a lot of friends here who are songwriters you know living in the nashville area a lot of people write songs and this right. was uh, said by uh, my friend Leslie Satcher who's written many uh, hit songs and she said that you know if you don't make anything your baby because sometimes that's the thing that ruins the song it's like I really love this line I really love this thing but it doesn't serve the song then you need to be able to remove it and say okay this doesn't work anymore same way like with movies or things like that right sometimes directors get so enamored with a scene that they keep it in right to the detriment of the whole movie correct and so when you're evaluating that like yeah look does this benefit does it not maybe it's another song we need to write because maybe that's the inspiration for that this is over here now let's go and create a new thing but if you're not willing to um you know bring something in and take something out then it's never a living thing anymore it just becomes what it is and i think we start to become stale waters at that point I think that's actually a way better answer than I thought I was going to get from you, Brian. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I impressed you, Josh. <laughs> I, I also I live think, to please you. You know. I also think that's a great place to put a comma in the conversation. I have nothing else to give, so I agree <laughs> with you on that. <laughs> and until so, next time, this is Josh, and this is Brian for Curiosity Continuum.